0: So, last time um, I was up here, I talked about how God wants us, our lives, to impact others. How He wants our lives to be a a positive, godly impact to our sphere of influence. How He wants to use us to minister His love to those around us. Um, And now, since then, I've been thinking a lot about, and I suppose it's just kind of my engineering tendencies, but... I've been thinking about how can we do it better? How can we be more effective in being an impact? How can we maximize the impact that we can have on the world around us? Whoa. Um getting it? <laughs> and one of the things, one of the verses that he's had me meditate on is from... Uh, Exodus 34, verse 10. And here, God is talking to Moses. Um, it's the second time he's gone up Mount Sinai with uh, the second set of tablets. Um, and we... I'm assuming you all realize that Israelites, the Israelites are the... they're the seed of Abraham by blood. Right? And we are the seed of Abraham by faith. So that's why a lot of, um, if not, I guess all of the promises in the old covenant apply to us as well. So Exodus 34. Before all your people, I will do marvels, marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, in all the people among whom you are. So who, who is that? Who's all the people among whom you are? It's our sphere of influence. So all the people among whom you are, our sphere of influence, shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing, an awesome thing that I will do with you. And I guess I believe what God has been revealing to me is that we can increase the level of impact we have as we walk more and more in the fullness of his blessings, God's blessings for us, we walk more and more in the the fullness of his covenant promises. We walk more and more in the victory. We walk more and more in the authority and dominion that he's given us. You know what what would what would your sphere of influence think? Would they take notice if a group of us went to Lakeview Hospital and cleared out? intensive care unit, if our businesses were the most successful businesses in our industries, if we are the most sought-after experts in our lines of work, if, if we, each and every one of us, if all of us, each and every member of this body was out of debt, completely out of debt, in living in, in abundance. So much so that, well, w- one of you, you, your spouse, or if you're, if you're single, you can hire somebody, you live in so much abundance that you spend your, you have a full-time job seeking God for where you're supposed to give of the overwhelming, abundant wealth that He's flooding into your lives. Can God do that? Is God able to do that? Do we want to experience that in our lives? It's available. When we live this way, not if. When we live this way, we will not need to knock down our neighbor's door, preach at them, witness to them. Our lives will be the witness. We'll not not need to go and invite them to come to church. They're going to invite themselves to come to church with us. You know, I guess the main question is how do we get there? That's that's the big question. How do we get from where we are right now to the awesomeness of God working in our lives? How do we get from average to awesome? Uh I I guess I'm I'm getting a sense that we're gonna be camping out on this for a while. And that God is going to be revealing to us how, how we're going to do this, but I believe that we get access to it by, we, we must be born again, we must be spirit-filled, and we must tithe. The tithe opens the windows of heaven into our lives. And then, the, then beyond that, I believe it's expectation. It's all about expectation. Expectation the promises of God, these overwhelming blessings of God come by faith. We receive what we expect. We receive what we expect, good or bad. And our expectation is based on what we have in our mind, what we think, what we see in our mind, and how we imagine God doing good in our lives. So, Let's raise our sights. Let's raise our sights. Expect more. Let's expect God to do such awesome amazing things in our lives that the people that it draws those around us to him. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm, I'm tired of just reading about the amazing Exploits of other amazing faith explo- exploits of other people. Whether it's, you know, John G. Lake, Kenneth Hagan, um, Oral Roberts, Rodney Howard Brown. I'm tired, I'm tired of just reading about it. I, I want to live it. I want it to be manifesting in these four walls. I want it to be part of my life outside of these walls. I, I better pray or I'm going to get out of control here. <laughs> you know, let's, let's do it. Let's do this. All right? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are so awesome. And you want to do awesome things in our lives just because you love us. But you also want us to be a witness, to be a testimony of the world around us. Thank you so much for that goodness. Thank you so much for giving us access to it. Father God, I I ask you to bless the tithes and offerings presented today. Multiply it. Multiply the seed And we thank you for it. We thank you once again for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: How many here, uh, me being one of them, would love to see when Brian loses it? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody would have to sit and fan Cerise, but... uh... I personally am looking forward to it. Amen. I'm looking for it when all of us lose it. When we when we set aside the inhibitions and the the things that are holding us back and letting God do the fullness of what He wants to do. Amen? Because He wants to do it. That's that is His plan. That is His His desire. Is for us to walk in the fullness of His plan and purpose for our lives. And we're not doing it right now. That's the deal. We're not living that way yet. We're talking about it, which is better than some, but we're not doing it yet. We're not, you know, this whole discussion we've been having since January, 1st of January, that what does it mean to be the sons and daughters of God? What does it look like? Well, we're talking about it. We're, we're raising awareness. That's what I'm doing each week is I keep raising that awareness of there is a different way to live. But at some point in time, we have to begin to make that decision in our heart that we choose to go there and choose to live there. And what does that mean? Now, part of it is finances. It's not about just finances. It's not, that's, that's actually just a small part of it. It's a lot bigger than that. We're not living the fullness of who we are called to be. So what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, right now, the last few weeks, we've been talking about, you know, what is our purpose? What were we designed for? What did God create us for? Well, it's to fill the the whole earth. That was was what Adam and Eve were created for, and then they threw away their purpose, muddled around for 4,000 years, and then Jesus came back, or came, And then he actually lived his purpose. He lived the purpose that that Adam and Eve were created to do. He brought the kingdom of God into the earth again. Not just talking that it's going to come or that it might come. And see, that's what we're doing right now is we're talking about it. We're raising that awareness. And and the Old Testament folks heard those prophecies. They heard the stories. They saw what God was doing. And they looked forward to when the, the Messiah would come, when, the, when the, the Son of God would show up. And then when He did, many people just jumped right in. But he he was raising the awareness all those years. Well, then Jesus came and said, this is the way we can live. And for a while, they lived that way. They actually lived that way. People would walk down the street and then their shadow would, would, would go across somebody and they'd be healed instantaneously. Okay, that's cool. They laid down their lives and went all over the world, the known world at that time, and preached the gospel. And and whole cities were shaken by a bunch of uneducated people. A bunch of regular people. My goodness. Talk about the kingdom of God coming on the earth. But then we got into the dark ages where we made it official and then we made it priestly and we made it... The priest will get to know God. And as long as we know, as long as we have a priest, we'll be alright. We fell back into the same thing the... The Israelites did on the mountain. And it's been hard to get back out of that. What it's going to take is the sons of God, the daughters of God, the people of God living like Jesus did every day to pull us back out of that rut. But first we've got to get our minds renewed. We've got to get, got to get changed up. We've got to get focused on what we're supposed to be focused on and we're not doing it. In the 21st century, we're still living like the dark ages, spiritually. Not, not, not completely. I mean, praise God, there's, there's, lo- there's more and more light, and there's always more and more light, but it's time to raise that expectation. It's time to make an individual choice. Remember, months ago, I preached a sermon, and I can't remember who the guy was now. I don't even remember who, who, who I quoted. But he said, you give me a hundred men who fear nothing but God, and desire nothing but His kingdom, and will change the world. Well, let's do that here. Let's do that here. Let's be that. Let's be a part of that. But it's going to take each of us. You're going, well, why me? Shoot, I came to the wrong church. (laughs) Well, why not us? I shared a verse with some friends last night when we were praying, and well, see, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> oh, God's so funny. You know, Ricky, we may or may not get to anything I've said in the last, uh... it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Bless you too, Ricky. I don't know, maybe I can't find it. I think I might have deleted it. Oh, that's a bummer. Do you remember where the verse was? First Corinthians, First Corinthians nine. No, not First Corinthians nine. Uh-uh. Not there either. Not there either. I don't know where it was. Doesn't matter but it basically the verse that says not many of you are wise not many of you were noble actually god chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise you know we're, we, if you look at each other look look at the person next to you if it's if you're married to him don't look at that one look at the other one <laughs> and acknowledge the fact that they're they're really not nothing are they 1 Corinthians 1 Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 1 1 Corinthians 1 26 1 Corinthians 1:26 For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God, cho- God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast to the presence of the Lord, and because of Him you are in Christ." who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. God wants to do something. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced He wants to do something. He, He wants to move in this area, in the St. Croix River Valley. Go ahead now. Now throw it up. There it is up there. Great. That's the St. Croix River Valley that's a google shot i should give credit to google the blue squiggly line is the st croix river up at the very top that's solon springs it's actually lake st croix i tell the story about how i was talking to somebody and they and i said yeah i said i didn't know the st croix river went all the way up here And they said well yeah that's lake st croix that's the headwaters that was wayne brado we were on the motorcycle ride when he when he pointed that out head of the st croix river all the way down to the the base of it all the way down that's down in Prescott and then I read on Friday night I read this prophecy this is the prophecy about the St. Croix River Valley let me read it to you 1948 Two prophetic words were given by two different individuals who did not know or had even heard of each other. The first was given in Spooner, Wisconsin, by a missionary from an independent missions group. And six months later, the second was given in Luck, Wisconsin, by an Assembly of God missionary. One couple who had heard both prophecies said that they were almost word for word as they were given. The prophecy basically stated that just before Jesus comes, a revival would start at the head of the St. Croix River and continues southward down the entire river. They stated that the effect of this revival would reach out a hundred miles on each side of the river and continue until Jesus comes. They also stated, in its path, several of the cities would be won entirely over to the Lord. Every person in that city saved. Along with the salvation of thousands would also be the miraculous in the areas of finances, healing, deliverances of all kinds, and a return of entire area to biblical living. Once again, right up into Jesus coming in the rapture. That's what Brian was just talking about. Whole areas be returning to biblical living. Well, they're not going to get that on CNN. They're not going to get that inspiration in our universities. They're not going to get that inspiration from our politicians. That inspiration, that change comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who has that? We do. We do. And we also have the understanding that we have the anointing to do something about it. Once again, look at each other. Which one of you looks like a, a great preacher that will be able to preach down the glory of God? No! We all look at each other and go, <laughs> not that. Deb looks at me and goes, No, not him, no. <laughs> we're all in the same boat here, folks. None of us were all that great. None of us are all that smart. All the things. the difference is we just know Jesus Christ. And we actually are starting to get an idea that we might be able to walk this out. So why not? Why not give it a shot? Why not say, okay, God, okay, I'm in. I've said this. How many times have I preached this in the last four or five years? But faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. So We've been talking about what this is all about, why we do this, what's our purpose? What are you here for?'m I'm going I'm to just jump right out there, throw it out there as, as you know ca- throw all caution to the wind. The reason you, God, has brought you to the St. Croix River Valley for whatever reason. How many were born in the St Croix River Valley? Very small portion. How many of you were not born in the St. Croix River Valley? Huh? interesting why are you here (laughs) well i think i know why i think i know why we're all here for a reason i think it's to be a part of that so let's go for it we're here we might as well have some fun doesn't helping the, the, to see the vision of God fulfilled that whole cities, every person in that city would be saved. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. I mean, I've, like Brian, I, I've read all the old, the old stories. I've read about Charles Finney. I've read about, about Edwards. I've read about uh, uh, the guy in well in, No, the guy in Wales. Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts. Do you know how how important and how well-known Evan Roberts was before the Welsh Revival? Not. You know what he was? He was a guy in a church that, that pulled together a bunch of youth and they started to pray. He wasn't, even a, he wasn't even a great church leader of the day. He was just a guy in the church who pulled together a bunch of youth and they began to pray for a revival in Wales. God just uses ordinary people. Why not? Why not you? Why not you? You're not here by mistake. Not one of us is here by mistake. Not one of us. You go, I, and I, I, you can hear this little voice, well, except for me. <laughs> No. The least. The least will be the greatest. Amen? Wow. Glory to God. So last week we talked about what we're here for, what what our purpose is. And then I, I started to talk about the purpose of the church. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? And I don't care why anybody else does what they do. They do what they do because they do it. But why do we? What is our purpose here? And I made a shocking statement that I actually didn't get stoned for, so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. <laughs> that the number one purpose for the reason of the church is not fellowship. Good. The reaction was a little, you know, a little bit more tempered than last last week. I had some looks. Now it's a fantastic, a wonderful byproduct. Absolutely. I love you guys. And I would—I I just can't imagine doing this without anybody else. I think that's what I meant to say. <laughs> but I, I can't. It's just, you guys are awesome. The fellowship is amazing. And we do need each other to lift each other up, but it's not for pure fellowship purposes, but there is a purpose. So I wrote down four purposes. Now, I'm pretty sure they're not in any actual order of importance, or even an order of, anything But I want to read a verse real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. Eresians, Ephesians Ephesians Ephesians. It's what happens when I talk for 3 days straight. <laughs> Strange things come out of my mouth. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning with verse 10 says he who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11 and he gave the apostles uh, the uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I think I might have even said last week, and if I didn't or if you weren't here last week, you know, uh, handing out cookies is not the work of the ministry. Now it's an essential housekeeping. It's an essential thing that we need to do so that we can meet and it functions. Ushers is not the work of the ministry. Sound guy. Pastors is not the, the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is, is preaching the gospel laying hands on the sick, setting free the captives. That's the work of the ministry. What we do in-house is just family chores. My kids, well, they know, they're not here to defend themselves. They know that that Wednesday is garbage day. We have to remind them. But it's part of living in the house. It's it's Wednesday. It's your day to haul the garbage, go to all the rooms, blah, blah, blah. It's, It's not their main purpose in life. But it's part of living in the house. It's part of being a family. Well, we've got family duties. That's not the work of the ministry. Now you can learn, and I believe you do learn, all kinds of spiritual lessons by taking out the garbage. And if you're not taking out the garbage, this means one of two things. Either you're lazy, or you're not part of the family. Now, my kids have some friends who are over all the time. They have become part of the family. <laughs> you're going you're to hang out here, use our lights, eat my food, and they, can have, they, they have the same rights as my kids. They get hungry, go get something to eat. I don't care. But then you're going to do some work. When it's time to clean the garage, we're all doing this together. You happen to be here on a Sunday, Saturday morning? <laughs> Grab a broom, kid. Because <laughs> we're family. Here in the church, there's stuff we need to have done. The music needs to happen. The, the, the room needs to be cleaned. The things need to be set up. Like the, what we saw this weekend, it was amazing. It's just beautiful, but stuff had to happen. People just said, okay, and just started picking up and doing it. That's not the work of the ministry, though. That's not what it's talking about. Some churches say that's the work of the ministry. It's not. The work of the ministry is sharing Jesus Christ with your coworker. Praying for them when they're sick, praying for them when they're scared. Praying, you know, being there in that moment of need, whatever it is, that is the work of the ministry and when each one of us is doing that whenever the lord leads us and i guarantee you remember we i said that you know sometime this last week you know god was going to give you an opportunity to do the work of the ministry i believe that's going to increase it's going to escalate it won't be just once a week it'll be twice a week and three times a week and there'll be whole days where you're doing what you're supposed to do you're you're at your job you're at school and there's just need there's a, there's a there's an opportunity here and an opportunity there and we're not talking about you know standing in front of 10,000 and preaching we're just talking about Reaching that one life. Being aware that God put you where He put you on, on purpose for a reason. Equip the, the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. Churches, churches in, in the world, churches in America are full of a lot of kids. One of the, one of the saddest things to see in, in, in American culture is, is kid alts. There was a movie a few years ago, Failure to Launch. People who won't grow up. Church has got this. The church has people who won't grow up. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. It's hard for me to say things like that. But if we don't grow up, if the church doesn't grow up, we'll get to the end. And that's going to be worse than, 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 not, than saying what I just said right now. Is it'll be worse to not hear it. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. The body of Christ needs to grow. Anything that's living needs to grow. The body needs to grow. If it doesn't grow, that means it's stunted. Koi fish. Koi fish in a small bowl grow to the size that the bowl allows. Koi fish out in the wild grow huge churches, Christians, not given room to grow, not given an expectation to grow, not given an expectation to grow, not having that, 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 that room stretched that, hey, we're not doing it yet, we're not living it yet. That'll cause us to grow. It'll give us room to grow. But by saying, hey, everything's cool. Everything's great. You guys are awesome. This is an amazing church. I don't want to see anything change. I don't want to, I don't want to see any more opportunities. We, we do so much. We've, I think we are doing our part for the kingdom of God. We can rest now. You're too important. You are too important to not stretch you to not give you room to grow. No matter what age you're at, no matter who you are, no matter what you think you've become, if, if, if I was to leave you the way you are, and I wasn't to show you that there's a bigger world out there. The last thing I preached in Hungary when I was there, and I, I made all the youth come forward, because here's the sad thing. Everybody over the age of 20 refuses to grow there. They refuse to think outside of that mud-infested, rat-infested hellhole. But they refused. They cannot possibly. It does not compute. They cannot think. So I said, and and I wasn't trying to push anybody away, but I wanted to affect the ones that had the most potential of being affected. I said, everybody, all you teenagers and children, come up front. And God gave me a story about a fish that thought its bowl was its entire universe. That that was all that mattered. That's all that existed. But that's not what that fish was created for. We were not created to work a a 40-hour-a-week job and to go to church once a week and just be happy. Whoo! I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It's not why we were created. We were created to take dominion in the earth. To expand the kingdom of God everywhere. That, that creation is so amazingly beautiful. But for too long we've been told, no, 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 stay in your bowl. Let the preacher do the, the real work. Not in this church. You're not going to hear that anymore. You're, you're not, you're not going to hear, I don't believe you have heard it, and, I don't, I, and you won't hear it. You're going to hear there's a whole world out there that needs you. It needs you. It needs the Spirit of God that's in you. So, what is a church really for? Well, like I say, I wrote down four things. I don't think there's any specific order. Number one, it's a hospital. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The world is full of sick and dying people. Some physical, some spiritual, some mental. And the church is supposed to be a hospital, but that means that some sick people need to come in the building. When I first became a pastor, I never quite realized that part of being a pastor would be hospital visits. I don't know. I don't know why that didn't enter my mind. I hated, hated hospital visits. Hated them. For years. They even called me up and said, We want you to be a hospital chaplain. <laughs> oh great. Gosh. It would so it would sound so unspiritual to say, no, thank you, I don't think I want to do that. So I did it. And I hated every moment of it. Had to wear a pager. And when there was an emergency at the hospital, if the person didn't have a pastor, brrr, and you had to run to the hospital. I hated it. I hated it. I'm just being honest with you. Because there are sick people there. My family has a long history of being germaphobes. I'm not kidding. You think that's funny? It's not. Apparently, apparently, I heard about this I, it was just before my mom passed away. I, I found out that I had an uncle who would not, he was in the insane asylum. He checked himself into the insane asylum. I know, it runs deep in my family. <laughs> he checks himself and he spent the rest of his life there because he thought if he left the insane asylum, just think of the mentality of this, that he might get sick. You want to talk about bondage? How many people in the church don't want to go outside of the church, you know, get outside of our protective barrier? Because if I do that, what if, what if I get affected, infected by that? Oh, give me a break. Jesus hung out with prostitutes, tax collectors, <laughs> And publicans. I don't know what are publicans. Are those tax? I don't know. Are they Republicans? Politicians. they hung out with politicians. I still remember years ago I was watching one of these one of the TV guys and I you know because I I really should watch the TV guys so at least I know what they're saying and I was I was already having trouble with it and they said I I needed to get my own jet now I'm not against people getting their own jet do whatever you want you know if you can pay for it great just I'm not going to give you the money for it but if and he goes "I, I have to get my own jet because I can't ride in those those public airplanes anymore because there's there's people in there that are heathens And where would Jesus have been? I thought Jesus would be down at the bar. He'd be at the bar, sitting there talking to people. That's where he'd be. He'd be in coach. I mean, heaven forbid coach. He'd be in an exit row. I don't know. I think he'd be in the middle seat between two... I heard this one time. Two people who have successfully defeated the the spirit of, of anorexia. You know, it's just a think that one through a couple times (laughs) but the church the church the church is a hospital there will be sick people praise God we have a, a a drug and alcohol group that works with people Who are sick. Praise God, we have a group for for addiction, pornography addiction. Praise God, we have a group for people whose whose marriages are just disintegrating around them. Praise God, we have these opportunities to minister. How much does do they need uh, the, the kingdom of God being being brought, that light being brought into their lives? The church needs to be a hospital. That means we need to let sick people in. We need to let sick people, people who are hurting, sit next to you because you have the answer. Well, I've never done any of that stuff. I've never, I've never done alcohol. I've never drank. You know, I never, I've never taken drugs. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never looked at pornography. Awesome! They need to hear that it's possible. The guy who introduced introduced I, the guy who who introduced, he didn't know he was introducing I. He thought he was taking her to to a date. And he brought her to a Youth for Christ meeting, and that's where we met. That kid was a street kid. At 16 years of age, his, his mother had kicked him out of the house. His dad, he never knew his dad. At 16, his mom kicked him out of the house. He lived on the streets, literally lived on the streets, was an alcoholic and a drug addict by the time he was 17. But now he's coming to Youth for Christ. One day I asked him, I said, hey, Corey, how did you get saved? What's your testimony? He goes, oh, wow, that's really a good testimony. He says, I went to a meeting, the first meeting I ever went to, and this guy, and I knew the guy, I'd grown up with this guy, Scott Larson. Scott Larson was as squeaky clean. I mean, when he walked, he squeaked. I mean, he was just, he never did anything wrong. And he says, this guy got up and started, started teaching, started preaching. And he says, you know, he says, I, and Scott says, I never did alcohol. I never drank, never smoked a cigarette, never took any drugs. I've never, I didn't have premarital sex. I didn't do this. I didn't do any. But I need Jesus Christ in my life. And Corey heard that and he says, man, if that guy needs Jesus, I need Jesus. <laughs> Praise God for Corey. Praise God that group let Corey come in. Otherwise, connections. We were talking about connections this weekend. It's a hospital. Letting people. Well, what if they come in and mess up our service? Praise God. Do you know how fun messed up services are? That's what I love about Hungary. At any moment, a fist fight could break out. I'm not kidding. Just last summer I was preaching and all of a sudden two people started going at it in the back row. I don't know if they I don't know what happened, but we just keep right on preaching, just keep going. They'll sort it out. <laughs> Number 2. Church is supposed to be a boot camp. Oh, great. Been there. <laughs> oh yeah, you do. Yeah, we do. 1 Corinthians 9:25 and 27 Every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do not receive a perishable wreath but an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I might I might or I myself should be disqualified training 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 boot camp you know boot camp is not exciting and fun did anybody love boot camp? I did not go through a boot camp. You liked boot camp? That explains a lot. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Welcome back, by the way. It's good to have you back. I needed somebody new to pick on. So yeah. But it's work. It's work. Getting up every morning, having to go for the run, and having to do these push ups and those sit ups and this training and that training, having to do some things that aren't fun, going through, I mean, when I, I watch videos of, of stuff like that, you know, the whole gas mask thing, going into the gas chamber, you know, and having to take your mask. That doesn't look like fun. They come out, you know, coughing and spitting and stuff. And it just, it doesn't look like fun. Well, church is actually supposed to be that. Disciplining us. How many of you know the Word of God as well as you should? How many of you have disciplined yourself? You're disciplined and that you are in the Word so much that when that opportunity arises on Tuesday morning, you have the exact Word flowing out of your mouth. One of the things when I do the training, and I, obviously my, I've never done boot camp, but when I got done with that ten, that twenty days of training, I was tr- one of the guys I trained with was a was a, a Navy or a, a, a Coast Guard uh, assault diver. Means he was in full gear, full weaponry, the whole thing dives into the water, swims underwater till he gets to a boat, climbs up the outside of the boat, and assaults the boat from the opposite side is what, where the one where the, his boat comes from. He got, we got done with that week, and he looked at me across the table. He says, John, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I laughed. I said, come on, man, I, I know what you used to do. No, he said, I'm telling you, this was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It, 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 it was not fun. Every day I thought, why am I doing this? I'm doing this on purpose to myself. I paid good money to do this to myself. What am I doing? But at the end, what comes naturally somebody in a a situation, somebody throws a punch, I just just do what comes naturally. It comes naturally out of you. Military, the same thing. They want to train you to the point where it's just the natural reaction. The gospel needs to flow out of you in a natural reaction. If it's not, then you need some discipline. You need discipline. I need more discipline in that area. We all do church is a boot camp how much of that sounds fun so far a hospital and a boot camp number three it's a classroom oh okay finally we're getting to something that's a little more you know relaxing it's a classroom learn 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 study to show yourself approved study study to show yourself approved discipline study there's there's a there's a level where it's just it 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 goes from have to to want to and we need to know the word of god we need to know more but it's not just word classroom it's life classroom how do i be a better parent how i how do i be a godly parent in this world where my our family actually impacts the neighbors how do i be a parent in this world where where our kids my kids going to school it impacts the school not the school impacts them that takes parenting i need more help in that i need we all do we need to grow and to and to have things have a within the church finances how many here are just extremely happy with your finances and and there's no problem there's you don't have no doubts whatsoever the future holds everything's great we're gonna have another offering if there's hands i'm just gonna let you know (laughs) Well, the reality is we need to learn more how to do this and then actually put it into practice. Still, those I mean, you can argue with me, but so far those three, that's that's what church is for. That's why we come together. Number four, it's a supply station. 2 Corinthians 8, I do not mean that others should be eased and you are burdened and you you burdened but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness as it is written whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack supply when we come to church there's a supply there's stuff that you need and when you come the answer may be the person sitting next to you. Many times it is the person sitting next to you. Or you come and you just, you just need to be refreshed. That, that's awesome. We do need that. But if all we ever do is come back and just to get refreshed, oh, I just need to relax. Well, no. Sometimes you should go, come back and you should be the one who does the refreshing. Having our perspective right coming back you know i just really need you guys' prayer this week i just went through a battle this week we had this situation and that situation great let's gather around him and let's you know let's let's pray for that person yeah we're you know we're trying to do this and this and you know i could, I, I could be more effective if i had this tool hey we'll get you the tool pastor greg see pastor greg he'll get you the tool it's a supply station. I had, a, I had years ago. I had the Lord showed me something, and in it, that the church was like a uh, was the uh, trapper. Trapper, no, not trapper John. <laughs> wow, I actually followed that. That's scary. Okay. Trading posts. It's like a trading post and that people were going out, going out and coming back in, getting the supplies for the week or the month and going back out and doing their thing, coming in and out, coming in and out, that the the church is that supply station with the resources that you need to go do the work of the ministry. No, nah, I just picked four. You could pick all kinds of... And which one of them comes first? I don't know. I don't know what's more important. This week, you may need a hospital. For you or somebody else you know, they may need to come in for, to, to experience the hospital. It may be, this week, you need boot camp. The great thing is the Holy Spirit can do that every week. I believe every week is, is teaching, you're learning, you're, you're growing, you're being challenged. And education, is not just about learning facts. If it's all about just learning facts, then the education is worthless. Because you can get facts by reading Wikipedia. <laughs> not that they're all true, but...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so which comes first? What's more important? I don't know. It's the age-old question. Which, comes, which, is, which is first, the chicken or the egg? Does anybody know that answer? You know there is an answer. The chicken. The chicken came first. Had to. God created the heavens and earth. He he didn't create eggs. He created the chickens who actually laid eggs. So the chicken came first. See, all of these age-old questions, philosophical questions, we can answer. I got another one for you. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? No, it does not. No, it does not. No, no, no. Because the actual scientific definition of sound is a, a an item that creates waves, a medium to, to, to travel the waves, and then a receptor to receive the waves. If one of those things is not present, and this is the scientific, I went to school for this, so don't argue with me. <laughs> No, 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 no. Don't pull the geek stuff on me. No, no, no. I'm right. Well, okay, okay, okay. The answer is no, but we'll move on. Okay, the the last and most important philosophical age-old question. If a man has an opinion and his wife is not there, is he still wrong? Let's stand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for this body. Thank you for these these people. Thank you, Jesus, for that you've brought us together for purpose. Father, I ask, we need all the help in the world. We need all the help in the universe. We need all the help in the kingdom to take the next step. Help us, Father. Help us as individuals to make that next step, which the next step is to to go higher with You. Father, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what You have called us to be and to be a part of. Thank You. But Father, we throw ourselves on Your mercy and Your ability because we can't do this in our own, in our own selves. Praise Your holy name. Praise Your holy name. In Jesus' name, Amen.